Hello, and welcome back to the Shedding Skin podcast. I am your host, Jade Willow. This is episode number five, and today we're talking about me. I'm going to talk about my bullshit, because this is my show, and I haven't done that yet. I actually wanted to start off with an episode about myself, but um, I kind of wanted to explore the dynamic of conversation with another individual and kind of give you guys an idea of what the show is mostly going to be about, which is about other people, uh, musicians, artists. But, um, you know, mental health is something that I'm really passionate about, as well as other topics. I mean, the main theme of the show is going to be about mental health, but I also want to talk about spirituality, about magic, about philosophy, uh, just... I just want to have deep intellectual and stimulating conversations with people. You know, I feel like musicians and artists are such incredible people. And half the time when you listen to interviews, it's like all the same bullshit over and over again. And I really want to get behind the individual and what they're about and really get beneath the skin of who they are. Uh, I want to know about their passions and their, and their struggles and their, their pain, um, their love, their life. You know, I just, I really want to get to know people in depth with as, as much as they're, they feel comfortable sharing, you know, I'm not trying to exploit anybody by any means. Um, that being said, I'm going to share my story with you guys. I'm not really sure how much I'm going to put out there. Maybe I'll put everything out there. I'm a pretty open book. And a lot of people tell me that I'm brave for being that way. But it's just kind of the way that I've always been. And I think deep down inside of us, everybody wants their story to be told. Everybody wants their story to be heard. That's why people write autobiographies. That's why people write music. Because they're talking about their their life and their their beliefs and you know all that good stuff so yeah uh i guess let's just get into it uh trigger warning i am going to talk about some heavy shit if you're in a bad frame of mind maybe this isn't the right episode for you at least not at this time and i would not be offended if you like clicked out or whatever and came back later when you feel better uh but yeah so i was born in Los Angeles, California, uh, 1988, November 23rd, in East Los Angeles. So back in the day, East LA was pretty fucking ghetto. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's become really gentrified now. They're making it very hip. But like, my grandma used to live across the street from a house full of gangsters. Like literally, there would be fucking 30 motherfuckers hanging out just drinking in the porch. (laughs) But we were cool with them, you know? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so I I know I don't look hood, but it's in there. (laughs) And I know I don't look Mexican, but I am. Uh, So, yeah, I was born in Los Angeles, California. And, I mean, I, I came from, like a lot of people, I came from a broken home. Um... My biological father was a drug addict and he, he used to beat the shit out of my mom 
and he was actually a metalhead too. So it's kind of funny because he's been absent for most of my life, but it's, what's the saying? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that I ended up being a metalhead too. Um, but yeah, so he was a piece of shit and, uh, he wasn't in our lives for very long. My mom met my stepdad when I was maybe like five or six and he's basically been in the picture and taken care of us since then. So I basically consider him my father. Um, but yeah, so I come from, you know, I come from addiction and abuse and, uh, you know, my, my mother was lucky enough to find a man who, who was willing to take us in me and my brother and her and, um, love us like his own. So I'm really grateful for that. Uh, so, uh, we moved in with him when I was about what, five, five or six, I said. And, um, yeah, unfortunately around that time, <laughs> I mean, fuck, I'm just going to get right into it. Unfortunately around that time, uh, I started experiencing some sexual abuse from a family member and maybe I was a little bit, I was like seven, seven or eight, something like that. But I was, you know, I was still really young and I, I don't know what the fuck was going on. It just was shit that happened. And, uh, you know, it's something that happens to a lot of people, man. And I know it's really uncomfortable to like talk about, but it's to a certain extent, it still is for me, but I've, I've talked to so many people about it. I've told so many friends about it. It's, it's, been out in the air in my life for such a long time that I don't feel there's, I don't feel ashamed at all or embarrassed talking about it. Um, so that started happening and that lasted for, uh, like five years, maybe it was, it was a long, long going, uh, occurrence, unfortunately. And, uh, and then I had another incident with another, family member. So <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. It was just rain in the river at that point. I was, I was already having these experiences as a kid and, you know, uh, you, you don't really know what's going on and it's, you're in this state of vulnerability and, uh, innocence. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was it's probably, no, not probably. It is most definitely the number one thing that, that shaped who I am today. And I hate to admit that I really do, but, um, but it, it, it wounded me very deeply and, um, it made me associate men with abuse and um, have a lot of trust issues because of that. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to, to drag my parents down or anything, but it, it was handled very poorly at the time. Um, so I think I, I have probably some abandonment fucking issues because of that too because I felt like they didn't take care of me when I needed them you know what I mean uh so all that was happening when I was really really young 
And um, I remember this point when I turned like 13, 12 or 13. Mind you, at the time I was like a normal kid, you know, just, I don't know. You listen to whatever's on the radio, I guess, whatever my mom would play. I think Kiss FM was the big station back in the day. Uh, so that was like the kind of music that I was exposed to. But uh, there was this moment when I turned, I think, 12 or 13, where I realized, you know, you, you become older, you're turning into a teenager, and you realize, hey, that that isn't normal. Um, all that shit that I went through for so long uh, wasn't normal. It's not something that's supposed to happen. And I don't know what triggered that realization within me. But it's like a, like a switch just flipped in my head and I fell into a deep, deep, deep fucking depression. And I was consumed by fucking guilt, so much guilt and so much shame because I felt like, like it was my fault, you know, like why, why didn't I do something to stop this? Uh, oh, actually, there were some instances when I tried to stop it and, you know, someone's bigger and stronger than you. There's only so much you can do. Uh, so without going into too much detail, because, you know, you don't want to get graphic or anything. I don't want to anyway. But, um, uh, yeah, I realized that I, I went through some really fucked up shit. And I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to deal with it. So my way of dealing with it was that I started cutting myself. I started uh, self-mutilating when I was 13. And uh, I started dressing differently. <laughs> uh, one of my friends had mentioned that it was kind of like an overnight thing. Like I went from wearing pink to being clad in black. And uh, obviously that hasn't, <laughs> that hasn't fucking changed. So, uh, yeah, so I started cutting myself and um, I started searching for something that I could relate to. Uh, so I'm not sure what the first like band was that I really got into. Maybe it was like Linkin Park because back in the day, early 2000s, uh, I'm 32 now. So I don't know. Back in the day, Linkin Park and like, you know, uh, just new metal stuff is what was, what was played on the radio was what was accessible to me. So things like uh, Linkin Park and Slipknot and Korn and, uh, Static X. Uh, that was the shit that I started listening to. Uh, I forget what channel it was on, but I think there was this thing called like Extreme X that I would listen to and they would play all these, you know, these bands like Litter, these heavier bands, Slipknot or whatever at the end of the evening. And um, so I started listening to that and, you know, I was filled with all this this confusion, this anger, this self-hatred, this rage. And I just felt like metal was something that I could relate to. Um, so that's, so that's when I started listening to metal. Uh, I started listening to new, new metal first. 
And um, then, oh man, <laughs> here's the thing. the This band that I really, really got into, and it's funny looking back at it now because the music is fucking god awful, but at the time it was like my saving fucking grace, uh, was Otep. I don't know if any of you guys listen to her back in the day. Um, but she kind of mixed, what's, what's the way to describe it? Like she was big on poetry and art and, um, she kind of, she did like death metal vocals, but it was really groovy and also kind of rap-ish too. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a weird combination of music, but um, I guess it also fell into the, the new metal category. Anyway, um, I remember the album that I got from her was called Sevas Tra, which was Art Saves Backwards. And um, I'm an artist, so, you know, I've, I've always been drawing since I was a kid. And she had this song at the end of the album called Jonestown Tea. <sighs> and that shit was fucking heavy, dude. That was heavy. She, um, in the song, she talked about how she was raped by her father as a child. And... I mean, fuck, it just, it really it just fucking saved me, man. Cause it made me realize that I wasn't alone in my, in my pain. And that's, that's the beauty of art and music is that you can, you can relate to it on so many levels. You, you think you're completely and utterly alone and you're just, you're not. And there's people out there that are, you know, willing to share their experiences and, and are brave enough to be vulnerable like she was to, to talk about those kinds of things. And, um, so fuck man, that just <laughs> 13 year old me, just hung on to her like she was Jesus. <laughs> that that band fucking fucking saved me. And she taught me another thing she taught me was how to express pain through art, which was extremely cathartic for me. Um, I started drawing this this creature who I called Thorn, and she was supposed to be like a symbolic representation of myself. So I would draw her, she kind of looked like a, almost like a tool character. She was bald, gray, almost kind of looked like an alien, but she was amputated. And um, so she didn't have any arms or legs. She kind of had like stubs. And then at the ends of them would be, you know, these sharp thorns. Um, and it sounds cheesy. Maybe I can find a picture of it somewhere and 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 place it up here. But um, but that's how I felt. Oh, she also didn't have a mouth. Um, 
you know, because I felt like I was hiding the secret for so long that I just felt like I couldn't talk about it. And then, you know, being placed in vulnerable situations, you just felt, I just felt powerless. And um, that's why she didn't have like arms and legs. You know, I felt like I couldn't, like I couldn't fight back when these things were happening to me. And uh, yeah, so I, I would express my pain through art and um, and I would hurt myself. I would cut myself. There was, I think it was mostly like in the eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th and 12th, I, I slowed down a little bit, but my, my, both of my arms were just fucking covered, man, just covered with fucking wounds and I would try to hide, I would try to hide them. Well, I would hide them with like, you know, long sleeve shirts or whatever. And I would make these kind of like these cut off sleeves that you just kind of wore over your, your forearms. It was, I don't know, a little style that, that was in back in the day. And, uh, yeah, I hid it for, for a while. And this, the secret, this burden was just fucking eating away at me, man. It was fucking killing me from the inside out. And, uh, you know, I finally mustered up the courage to, to tell my, my mom. And I wrote her a letter. Remember, I wrote her a letter and I left it on her pillow. And then I just went back to my room. And then she came over later and she asked me to go to the grocery store with her. So like I knew we weren't really going to the grocery store, but we drove to the grocery store and, um, and we just stopped in the parking lot and she asked me about the letter and, and she kind of was like, do you know what this means? And I was like, yeah, it's, of course I do, obviously, you know, and, uh, and she asked me to show her, <laughs> to show her my arms, and, uh, I did, so I, pu I pulled up my sleeve, and then she saw all the cuts and everything, and she started crying, but she didn't cry for long, because she had mentioned something, I forget exactly what she said, but, she, she didn't want to show weakness, um, like for my sake, she wanted to be like strong, you know? And, uh, yeah. So that pretty much tore that being, that being out in the open pretty much tore my family apart. And it sucks to say that um, they just, they didn't know what to do. And as a parent, I, I probably wouldn't know what to do either. You know, it's a really, it's a really difficult situation to deal with. Um, yeah. So that, 
that created this maelstrom of just bitterness and resentment towards my parents because I felt like they didn't care because it, you know, it took them almost a year before they fucking did anything. And that, you know, I still had to see this person and have dinner with them. And I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I felt like I was crying out for help, which I was. And, uh, it was just total fucking slap in the face. And that shit fucked me up. Um, <laughs> she, like, she would make me strip down to my underwear to make sure that I wasn't cutting myself. And so I would cut myself, like, on my breasts and, like, on the inside of my ankles. Anywhere that I could hide it. And I just remember, remember feeling so humiliated that she would even do that to me. And I just, oh, I fucking hated her. I hated her. I hated my mom. Hated my mom growing up. Hated my dad. I just, I hated them. So I ran away when I was like 15. And I think I was gone for like a month. And I had ended up going to these teen runaway homes. I think it was called like Safe House or something. And, uh, you know, they, they feed you, they clothe you. They try their best to make sure people aren't fucking, but people still fucked. <laughs> you know, and I was already... I mean, I was already exposed to sexual activities at such a young age that... Like, uh, I was already active. I, I had a boyfriend at the time, so I was already sexually active by the time I was, like, 14. I was already fucking um which is kind of young but um yeah so I stayed at that that runaway home for like a month and uh I mean it was just total fucking chaos growing up dude it was just me and my parents fucking arguing all the fucking time my mom would like take all my clothes and throw it away and you know I would um I would make like my own patches and stuff because, you know, as a kid, I didn't have any money. So I would, uh, I would draw like the, sl the Slipknot logo and turn it into a patch and sew it into my, my jacket or whatever. And, uh, I remember I was big into Fiona Apple too. So I, I actually got a sweater and I, I painted her face on the back of it. I think it was the cover of When the Pawn. And I wrote like all the fucking lyrics and that was like my favorite my favorite sweater. I'm so proud of that. Uh, was big into Marilyn Manson, um, the Sisters of Mercy. I listened to a lot of goth stuff, uh, which is funny because I, I was not comfortable being labeled as a goth. I, I've never liked being labeled anything. Um, so I never like identified as gothic, but I totally, totally was. Uh, Manson, Skinny Puppy, Vumpscut, uh, Nine Inch Nails, huge Trent Reznor fan. Loved him. Uh, Otep, Slipknot, Static X, Korn, Linkin Park, all, all, all that shit. You know, it's horrible, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was what I grew up with. So yeah, the chaos ensued in my family life and, um, I would ditch school a lot 
you know, it's the only chance I got to like be away from everybody. So I would just ditch school and go fuck at my boyfriend's house. <laughs> Oh man. I didn't start doing drugs until after high school at least. So that's a thing. <laughs> but I definitely uh, wreaked some havoc, broke some hearts. Um, yeah, man, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people, but it's like they say, hurt people hurt people. And I didn't have you know, I had gone through this traumatic experience and I didn't have the support that I needed at home where this happened. You know, there's no sense of safety. I just felt like I felt like I didn't have anyone I could count on. I felt like all men wanted to do was use me for sex, you know. Um, so yeah, I was a weird kid. I, obviously I dressed like a weirdo and I would get bullied a lot. Well, I don't know if a lot, I guess I, all the weird kids kind of got bullied, but it, it was really like the last thing that I fucking needed, you know, when all this shit was fucking happening and <sighs> coming to terms with abuse and being neglected and then being fucking bullied, you know, being told that I was fucking fat and ugly. This one fucking piece of shit would always call me like, I, I thought he would call me an evil kid. He'd be like, cheer up, evil kid. But this is when emo started. Yeah, that's how old I am. So, so he was actually saying, cheer up, emo kid. And uh, I just totally, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. So that's how old I am. Um... Yeah, so what else? Um, shit was fucked up, man. Growing up was hard. I ended up moving out like immediately after high school. Like I graduated and I moved out and I moved in with my my boyfriend. We we were together for like all of high school. And, um, yeah, so I didn't even wait until I turned 18. I think I was, I was still 17 at the time. And, um, that really like set me back in life because I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have a job, so I didn't have a chance to like save up for a car or anything. Um, I'd never paid rent before, so I didn't have a sense of responsibility um, so yeah, when I moved in with this person, I was basically counting on him, you know, to take care of me. And, uh, eventually I got a job and things didn't work out. We ended up breaking up shortly after. Um, but it's funny cause as soon as I moved out of the house, I was like, man, fuck you, mom and dad, you know, and I fucking, I got a mohawk and a tattoo and got my nose pierced and, you know, little, little rebel. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> I still have that fucking haircut. I still, still got that mohawk. I've grown it out like twice, but, um, oh yeah. So 18, I moved out and I had to grow up. 
really quickly and learn how to be responsible. And I ended up working at this coffee shop. I stayed there for like forever. I stayed there forever. I just, I just, um, I tried going back to college and I think I went for like a semester and I was so fucking over school. I just wasn't, I was so, so done. You know, you're forced to go to school as a kid and the last thing you want to do is fucking continue it as an adult. What's really, you're still a fucking kid. Let's be real. Um, but yeah. So I briefly went to college, but I ended up just working all these little bullshit remedial jobs and just trying to fucking survive, you know? And in between all that, I just went through numerous fucking relationships. Numerous relationships, numerous men. I was really promiscuous when I was younger. And I mean, that was kind of all that I knew. That was the only way that I, uh, I don't know if it made me feel worthy. I think you just try to fill in the void with anything that you can, you know, whether it's sex, drugs, or whatever. So I had tried, I had tried some drugs. I mean, I've tried a few. I've done some hard shit. Um, pretty sure I overdosed on meth. That was like the worst fucking pain that I've ever felt in my life. Did that twice like an idiot. Never again. Nope. Um, did coke. Coke was fine, but I never saw what the big deal was. Never understood why people got hooked. It's like. <laughs> just makes me feel more aggressive and confident, but it wasn't anything that I ever got hooked on. Uh, what I have struggled with, though, is drinking, which is funny because I have, like, a beer in my hand right now. But, well, I started drinking when I was in my my early 20s. And it's funny because I was never a big beer person. But one of my exes, <laughs> him and all his friends were fucking alcoholics. So, you know, we'd go hang out with them. And he basically taught me how to drink, <laughs> unfortunately. And, um, man, it's just the one thing that really stuck. It's the one thing that I've never been able to let go of. Um, because like I said, you use anything to fill in the void, you know, the emptiness that you feel inside or to substitute the feelings of sorrow or depression or boredom. I think mostly nowadays I just drink because I'm fucking bored and I want a head change. Um, I was a big pothead, <laughs> like when I was 18 through my early 20s also, early to mid 20s. I was a huge fucking stoner, huge. And um, it's funny because you know, back in the day, it was still illegal in California. So you'd have to like go through a street 
dealer or whatever. You just kind of know a guy that knows a guy. And um, <laughs> it's just crazy how years later you could just walk down the street to the, a dispensary and pay half the price, you know. What a time to be alive. But, um, yeah, eventually I quit smoking because I had to get a job and, like, a better job. I ended up working at Costco for a while. So I quit smoking then. And I, I just never really got back into it because it, it always made me feel just tired and lazy. And I still smoke now every once in a while, but it's not, it's not like a habitual thing. Uh, but drinking has been something that's been really hard for me to kick. I've actually considered going to AA meetings, which I don't think I really need to now, but there was definitely a time where I should have. Like, it got really bad. Like, I was drinking, like, a fucking six-pack a night. A night. That's really expensive, first of all. And second of all, I got fucking fat as shit because of that. And just eating terribly, you know. But, yeah. Um, God, I feel like my whole life is just a fucking downer. It kind of is, though, to be totally, completely honest and transparent with you. But don't worry, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel. Please bear with me. <sighs> so yeah, I've burned through a lot of relationships. Mm, can't, can't count how many times I've been in love and it ended terribly. Um... It just sucks, you know, because I know some of those people really did love me. And I was just a fucking handful. I was a fucking pain in the ass. I was such a toxic person for for most of my, for all of my fucking life, you know? I mean, I'm sure even now I still have toxic traits. Um, but I'm in a much better place than I ever have been in my life. Um, but yeah, man, I was just... You know, I, I have always been a really intense person. So when I love, I love very deeply and very passionately. But when I get angry, I, I'm like from zero to hundred like that. Um, obviously I have a lot of, I'm pretty sure I have a lot of <laughs> repressed anger that that manifests itself over small bullshit sometimes just because it's it's never been channeled properly you know um yeah so it just sucks because i i've never stayed friends with any of my exes and i just feel i feel bad for them looking back on it now you know i was so heartbroken over some guys i was so you know, because I got dumped or whatever. I mean, I dumped some people too, but usually I was on the receiving end just because I was fucking batshit crazy. Like, I was just so insecure and so jealous and so self-loathing and so possessive that, like, who the fuck wants to be with a person like that, you know? But at the time, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see how unhealthy my behavior was because I was just too young and immature and damaged. And people like to romanticize being broken, but it's not fucking romantic. People like to romanticize 
shit like Sid and Nancy. There's nothing romantic about being in an abusive relationship. And I've hurt a lot of people. And I think a big reason why I want to do this show is because it's for a sense of some sort of personal redemption. I could be completely honest. I want to help people. That's that's a huge part of it. That's the main reason. But I also feel like I've hurt so many fucking people in my life and I've been such a fucking piece of shit that I just have to do something to give back to the world. And I feel like all I really have to give is some small pearls of wisdom that I've gained through through many mistakes. Many years of just being a fuck-up. Like, my whole life I've been a fucking fuck-up. And I'm finally in a place now where I can see it. Where I can see it. I can I can look back and and see how fucked up I was. And I feel so sad for the people that had to had to get hurt because of me. And I wish there's been some I've done some horrible fucking things. I'm not gonna pretend to be this virtuous person. I've I've done some fucked up things and I, I regret them to this day. And I wish to God that I could take them back, but I can't. And the best that I can do now is learn from those mistakes so that I never make them again. And uh, just move forward and try to forgive myself because I'm really, really hard on myself, really critical. Uh, <laughs> I could probably fucking die from all the shame that I feel. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that stems from, from when I was a kid too. And that's something that I still have to learn how to let go of. I need to be I need to learn how to be nicer to myself and realize that even though I fucked up a lot, I doesn't necessarily make me a terrible person. Um, at least not now, because I have realized the error of my ways. Um, yeah, sorry if I'm being a total downer. But <laughs> but I'm being completely transparent, you know. Uh, I admit I admit my faults. But yeah, uh, back to metal. <laughs> you know, I've never um, considered myself a musician, but I've always wanted to be a singer. And I mean, if you sing and you're okay at it, does that make you a singer or do you have to be in a band? Because I feel like I'm a singer without a band. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely want to learn some instruments um, because I'm just, I've always wanted to collaborate with people. I've just never met the right group to do that with. But yeah, uh, so I grew up listening to new metal, and then um, 
I think it was when I turned 18 and I had, or 19, I don't know, some, some age like that. I had some other boyfriend and he was a big fan of, you know, traditional heavy metal. So Judas Priest, Iron Maiden is what he lived by and fucking Ozzy. And I remember being in the back of his car, uh, Yeah, I remember being in the back of his car, and um, he was playing Believer from Ozzy. And I remember just that fucking chunky bass line just fucking engulfing my soul. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and that was the first time I listened to, like, I feel like that was the first time I listened to good metal, you know? And I feel like that's when I really became a, a metalhead, was when I started listening to fucking Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. And, you know, and then I'd listen to uh, a lot of Testament, Exodus, got in, into Thrash for a while. Um, who else did I listen to? Uh, Testament, Exodus, I can't think of anybody else right now, but I got into heavy metal through him and thrash through him as well. Oh, Pantera, dude, dude. I used to live by Pantera <laughs> at the time. That was like the heaviest fucking shit that I'd ever listened to, you know? Oh my God. I still love Pantera. Hey, hence the fucking name of this show. Um, but yeah. And then after that, I started getting into death metal one of my favorite bands of all time is Forever Gonna Be Morbid Angels, dude. Fucking Morbid Angels. Like, how, how can you not appreciate them? How can you not love them? Fucking. They're so fucking badass. Um, and, you know, I, I got into uh, a lot of the mainstream death metal, I guess. Uh, Cannibal Corpse, Obituary. I guess you could consider Morbid Angels mainstream death metal. Um... And uh, then after that is when I got into black metal. So I was like, I was kind of a late bloomer because I didn't start listening to like real good shit until after I was 18. Just because I didn't really know a lot of like metal heads, you know? I didn't, I didn't have people to show me the way. They didn't have, I didn't have people to trade tapes and records and CDs with or whatever. So it really wasn't until, um, Streaming services started up like Pandora. Do you guys remember Pandora before Spotify kicked their fucking ass? So I used to listen to Pandora a lot, and uh, I had heard, I think, you know how you have radio stations or whatever. I had uh, heard Dissection on one of my death metal stations because they're pretty much a crossover between death metal and black metal. And that is, like, what opened the gateway <laughs> to fucking black metal, you know? And then I started listening to all the Norwegian shit, the Swedish shit, and, you know, fucking Dark Throne and Watain and you name it, Gorgoroth, um, Dissection, um, just all, all the good fucking shit. And uh, that's, like, been the one... Subgenre that 
that I've just held on to. I feel like it's a perfect, just a perfect amalgamation of brutality and beauty. And I feel like that is a good way to describe myself. Um, Cause like I'm brutal, but I'm also like beautiful, you know? <laughs> and I can say that now, definitely haven't felt like that for most of my life, but now I, now I definitely do feel that way. Um, yeah, man. So fucking music got me through all the fucking shit that I've been through. Music has been the one constant that has always been there through all the people that have let me down, all the relationships that never worked out, all the men that fucking hurt me and used me. Music has always been like my fucking saving grace. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a fucking rough life. And <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things I'm not, I'm not comfortable sharing, uh, but there, there's just a lot. Uh, oh man, I've been homeless too, like three times, I think. Um, three or four, maybe. A couple of those times was by choice. One of the, the first time was because uh, I was just so fucking broke and I had been like riding the bus for so long that, um, I just really, really, really wanted a car. So when I finally was able to like get a car, it was, I couldn't afford to make the payments on the car and also um, rent because California. <laughs> and also I was just, I wasn't making enough money. So I ended up just living out of my car for a while until I was able to pay it off. And then I was able to start renting again. Um, so that I don't regret because I, I love that fucking car. That car was awesome. That was my first baby and she got me through a lot. Um, second time, I think it's cause I had tried going back to my parents' house and they kicked me out because you know, they're like Uber, they're Uber fucking Catholic and shit. So go figure, right? <laughs> like practically a Satanist over here and they're like super fucking religious. Um, I think Henry Rollins said half of life is fucking up and the other half is dealing with it. And um, he's one of the people that would that I would love the opportunity to talk to at some point because he's so fucking inspirational, man. And I just feel like I want to be that kind of person. The whole reason I started this show was to help people who struggle with mental health by talking about it openly so that we can destigmatize it um, within our scene, you know, because I just feel like that's that's something that's not done enough anyway. And Okay, why not me? I don't know. I struggled with mental health all my life, you know. Obviously. Um, but fuck, man. I wish I could describe to you in words the amount of growth and wisdom that I've gained through my lifetime. 
through all the the pain and the sorrow and the hardship, I have somehow managed to come out the other side and be a better fucking person, a stronger fucking person because of it. It's funny. I've, you know, I grew up being really antisocial and introvert, which I still am to an extent. And I just, I grew up with so much fucking hate. I was such a misanthrope. I hated people. And to an extent, I still kind of do. Let's be real. (laughs) But I'm also in a place now where I understand why people are the way that they are. I can see when a person is angry that there is pain behind that anger and I'm able to empathize with them because of that. Um, I can be forgiving when somebody lashes out because I understand where they're coming from or why they feel a certain way. It may seem kind of unlikely, but in my own strange way, I've always felt like like I had something great to offer. And I don't know if that's just something that everybody feels growing up, like, I've, I've had this feeling ever since I was a kid, you know, a teenager. I've always felt like there was, I don't know, it feels kind of dick to say that there's something special about me, because, I mean, there's something special about everybody, you know? but I don't know, I just feel like I, I have a lot to offer. And, I mean, listening to this, you probably don't feel that way. (laughs) But um, I feel like deep down inside, I'm meant to be a healer, you know? And I feel like I wouldn't be the person that I am today had it not been through all the anguish that I've experienced in life. And I'm at a point now where I've reawakened spiritually. And I don't identify as anything per se. Um, I don't commit to to any sort of religion. Um, 
But I definitely, I feel comfortable labeling myself as a witch and an occultist because I study, I study the occult. I study magic. I study the manipulation of energy to create change within this world. And what I'm more interested now is a form of high magic so that I can transcend into a higher state of consciousness. And it's only been within this last, this last year that I've really gained this sense of self-awareness and self-love. You know, I was telling you guys, I, I grew up being bullied, being told I was ugly and fat and cutting myself. I was abused, so I, I was just so full of fucking self-hatred. I can't, I can't describe to you the amount of fucking self-hatred that I have felt all of my life. God, I fucking hated myself. I wanted to die so many times. I wanted to kill myself. I prayed for the strength to fucking press the razor down deeper so that I could fucking die. Like, I fucking hated who I was. I hated the skin that I was in. And it's so, it is just so incredible to me to be in this place now where I actually can say that I, I love myself. Like, what the fuck? How did that happen? I don't even know. It just did. It just did. I felt like I just, I grew up and I was ready. And, uh, you know, maybe it took this whole, this whole life changing experience you know i had to leave california and move to a new state I feel like that that really just helped me completely transform who i was and, and start over um i'm just i'm in a place now where i understand why i was the way that i was i understand why i did things that i did and i'm able to be more forgiving and I just, I want to contribute something to the world, you know? I feel like I'm just on this quest to, to contribute something, to, to give something of value to the world before I fucking die, you know? And... Maybe by doing this, maybe by creating this platform where I'm creating this space for people to feel comfortable with their vulnerability and um, helping people become self-aware that I can inspire some sort of change and growth within the greater collective consciousness of humanity. And I really feel like we're in a place now where everybody is awakening. You know, everybody is, is realizing that we are all connected to each other. We are all connected to the earth. We are all part of one singular consciousness. 
I don't feel comfortable using the word God because for I'm sure for a lot of you too. Um, it just <laughs> just leaves a dirty taste in my mouth because I fucking hate religion. Um, <laughs> particularly Christianity. Um, but I really feel like like we are all connected to each other. And we can all feel each other's energy, you know? And I think when you are able to change yourself, when you're able to change your personal energy into something, um, but yeah, you create change within yourself and if you do that, you create change within the world. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, I've just been working on a personal transformation, you know. Uh, I've just been working on being a better person, on being the best possible version of myself that I can be. Um, of shedding skin. <laughs> I have shed my skin this last year. Um, you know, I went, I went from being this very sad, self-loathing individual into what I would say is a beautiful person. Not on the outside, not just on the outside. I will go ahead and say on the outside, um, but also within. And I just I want to help heal people. I want to. I want to give back. I feel like I've taken so much from so many people that it's only right that I give back somehow. And this is the way I'm doing it, you know? And I, I also, maybe through creating art, that'll help people too. I still want to create music. And, you know, a whole big portion of the show is talking to musicians and artists. So that is a language that we all can understand and relate to. Sometimes... You don't even need words, you just need instruments. I think music can be very healing. And um, I'd really like to, I mean, there's, I have so many different tastes, you know, I love, I love Gothic music. I love black metal. Um, I love heavy metal. I love folk, Nordic folk music. Um, but what I really feel calling to me is something not unlike Hylum. I, I would never want to rip anybody off, you know. Um, but I definitely have 
some ideas. And, you know, like I mentioned to you, I'm a singer. Um, so I can do, even though I, I tend to have like a, a deeper singing voice, I can actually do the high pitched, uh, I don't know what you call them, the, <laughs> the hi, <hello>, yeah, <laughs> the native sounding uh, vocals, I guess. I, I can do those pretty well. And, um, yeah, I've always been really, really inspired by by shamanism. I've always had a deep fascination with Native American shamanism specifically. Um, and I just feel like like I can do something with that. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I really feel like like I can create something beautiful and something sonically chaotic, but also healing that would take people through a, a cathartic process, which I think is what Halen pretty much tries to do. Um, and there's the whole aspect of the, the magical ritual surrounding that. And, you know, I'm very heavily into, into magic and um, specifically blood magic and sigil magic. So I'm not sure how, how I would incorporate that into a live performance, but I have some ideas. And, um, yeah, man. So I just I want to give back to the world, and you know I'm just here to tell you that that you're not alone. You're not alone in your pain. You're not alone in your struggles. You're not a fucking loser. Um, or you know what? I take that back. Maybe you are. Maybe you are, and you just need to realize that and pick yourself the fuck up and achieve your potential. And I know that's easier said than done, but, but I'm doing it, you know, as somebody who has felt like a failure most of their life. I feel like I finally found the strength to pull my head out of my ass and actually pursue something that that matters. You know, you don't have to do the same thing that I'm doing. Podcasting isn't for fucking everybody. Music isn't for everybody. Whatever would work for you that would help you achieve your maximum potential as a human being, I think you should do that. A lot of that comes with creating, I think. I think we're here to create. I think we're here to love. And I know that sounds like some hippie bullshit. Fucking black little people probably telling me to fuck off with that. But, but I really do. I really do feel like there's no 
no higher state of being than to be compassionate and loving towards your fellow men. And I, that's really hard. I know it can be really hard sometimes. Sometimes you just want to beat a bitch up. And, you know, I feel like I oscillate between wanting to be this spiritual guru <laughs> and being this fucking ghetto badass. <laughs> so. Just know that whatever you're going through, you can get through it. You can get through it. You're not alone. And if you are struggling with some type of abuse, if you're struggling with self-harm, if you're struggling with addiction, please try to find the strength within yourself to seek help. Reach out to somebody, reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member. Hell, reach out to a, a suicide hotline. You know, I'll leave some, some numbers down below in the description. I think it's really important for us to come together, especially at a time like this right now, when politicians are trying to tear us apart and I'm not going to get into politics. I fucking hate politics, but I think the worst thing we can do is, is forget that we are social creatures and for our mental state of well-being, we really need to stay connected. And right now, maybe social media is the best way to do that. And, you know, every time you see a little avatar of somebody's face or whatever, remember that that's a real person. That's a real person with fucking feelings and thoughts and emotions. Well, feelings and emotions are the same thing, but you know what I mean. It's not just... Stop making social media so impersonal, you know? It was meant to be a tool for us to connect, not to distance each other. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. This is my humble attempt at, at being real and raw and vulnerable. And I hope people understand how scary it is to be vulnerable and that it actually comes from a place of strength. You know, people tell me all the time that I'm so brave for putting myself out here. And I never wanted to take, acknowledge that or take that as a compliment, but they're right. They're right. It is, I don't know who the fuck's going to listen to this. <laughs> Could be some jackass from work or something, you know, or a family member. Um, yeah, it does take a certain amount of 
of strength to be vulnerable. A huge amount. But that doesn't mean, just because you're vulnerable doesn't mean that you're weak. It's quite the opposite. It's quite the fucking opposite. Weakness is hiding behind secondary emotions like anger or hatred. You know, that's, in my opinion, weakness. Because you're not getting into the underlying root of that feeling. What's really beneath it, you know. And I really, I really want to get beneath all of that. I want to have honest and passionate and vulnerable, insightful conversations with people. And I would never want anybody to share something they're not comfortable with. Let me just put that out there. Um, I want you to feel comfortable and I want you to feel safe talking about your experiences. And to those of you who have already been on the show, I just want to say thank you. To those of you who are still watching, if you've made it this far or even clicked on this at all, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I still don't feel like I've said everything that I want to say, but I mean, I'm going to be having all sorts of conversations with people and hopefully that'll give you more insight as to the type of person that I am today and not the fuck up that I have for most of my life. Um, all the things that I've just told you are not who I am now. They, they are who I was and it's not something that I'm proud of. But like I said, like Henry Rowland said, half of life is fucking up and the other half is dealing with it. And I really feel like it's important to take accountability for your mistakes and to learn from them. And that's what I'm trying to do. And hopefully I'll inspire other people to do that too. And I just really want people to take a good hard look at themselves and see their flaws and not be afraid to look at their flaws and admit that yeah, sometimes you can be a fucking asshole. Sometimes I can be an asshole. Sometimes I can be a piece of shit. And you know what? I'm going to try my best every day to never be like that, to not be like that. And sometimes I'll slip and that's okay. As long as I keep trying to improve. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do every day. I'm just going to keep trying to improve, whether it's giving somebody a compliment or giving somebody a shoulder to lean on when they need it or doing a random good deed for a stranger, you know? Um, I think good karma comes back to you. And I think that does too. We all weave our own webs and we just have to choose what kind of spider we want to be, I guess. I guess that's my story. Um, not really sure what else to say. Thank you for watching.